show by fans for fans. My name's Eric Morrow, Seattle Mariners baseball, everybody. Let's get started. That smile is back on Junior's face. Line drive, base hit to win it. Welcome to Casuals Corner, the show by fans, for fans. Seattle Mariners baseball, everybody. My name's Eric Morrow. I've got my co-host with me here today, Tyler Matsumoto. How are you today, Tyler? I'm doing great, my friend. It is always awesome to talk to you, Eric. It's cloudy and rainy in the Pacific Northwest. What else would you expect? Well, you are on the other side of October. Things are the way they should be, I guess. Uh, um... I remember as a kid, we never really got to uh, trick-or-treat. I probably mentioned that. We did, but uh, boy, it was a rainy affair. Uh, Indy's in the studio back in Nashville. How are you tonight, Indy? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Hawks win, so that makes it a little better. I'm looking forward to uh, um, hearing what you two have to say about some of this NFL stuff uh, coming up here in a little bit. I don't know, Tyler. You know, we're here to talk baseball, but uh, did you check uh, the Huskies win? Oh, absolutely. And because it was a late Saturday night game, for people on the West Coast, it honestly works out better for so many people, although it stinks on the national level. And you're trying to watch a football game at 1045 kickoff or 945, whichever the time may be. But anyways, uh they came through. It was a good win. It was a huge letdown after the previous week. No surprise. I thought that would happen for sure. But it's pretty awesome to see any team in the Northwest doing extremely well. And Huskies football is rolling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're October 22nd, 2023. And uh, we're here to talk Seattle Mariners baseball first and foremost. Of course, it's the off season now. We didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Indy, how are you feeling about missing the playoffs as a Mariners fan? You know, it's disappointing. But I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't excited about the future of this team and excited about the off season itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it, Tyler. Uh, me and you have both wrangled about uh, is. Is, are we up or are we down or is this organization going to do what's necessary or are we just going to tread water, Tyler? <laughs> oh boy, your last two parts of that sentence really hit me because there's a huge part of me that thinks that ownership might be fine with treading water. Now we will see. I really hope they prove me wrong. Eric, you and me both love guys like Otani, guys like Bellinger, are those guys a pipe dream or are they realistic options? I guess we'll find out in a couple months. But I'm definitely stock market arrow up on the Mariners overall. We have so many ascending players. We have some solid veterans. We might have a pitcher or two that can come off of surgery or injury to help us in this next season. We have to make improvements, but I'm really, really optimistic about this ball club. Yeah, a lot of question marks right now, as you'd expect in the middle of October. We're uh, watching uh, American League Championship where uh, uh, Houston take that series yet, or are they going back to uh, Houston, Tyler? Uh, Houston 3-2, to two, and they're playing right now as we speak, actually. Uh, Texas is ahead. We don't need to do a running score ticker on the bottom line here, but Texas is trying to force it to a game seven, basically, as we speak. Thank you so much. And uh, I've been down here in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Boondock Studios, and uh, we have been playing October baseball down here in Phoenix. And, uh, you know, it's like that's the difference between folks seattle mariners fans and somewhere like phoenix 
and God bless Phoenix. And when I say Phoenix, I mean the whole Arizona area, just like Tacoma and, and Everett and ever each and everywhere is Mariner country too. Um, but these people don't get excited for stuff. There's no um, common goal, common ground that binds people in the Pacific North, Northwest. Um, you know, if, if the Mariners were this far in the AL uh, championship, they wouldn't have any trouble selling tickets or selling away tickets or anything like that. So, you know, I hope that uh, I hope that ownership will open up enough to uh, get the guys we need. I mean, it seems like other teams get better than us, and when do they get worse? Uh, you know, did our window open and close in a in a matter of moments, or are we the runner that? Uh, Felt like we were in the lead and some other person passes us, leaves us in the dust. Um, you know, where are we at? Indy? I hope so. I don't know. I mean, being a fan, being a fan this long, as long as I have, like, uh, that's a question I, I don't know how to answer. I feel like my emotions have been toyed with for so long as a fan and, and, the team spending that I don't know how to answer it. Tyler, we were promised different with this with this regime, weren't we? We were promised a ton of different leadership and economic progress for this franchise, Eric. Absolutely. So let's think of it like this. We know that when Jerry and ownership got together they decided to do a rebuild what 2018 i believe in that range maybe 2017 but either way like we both know cano cruz felix that era was getting old we had to set a major rebuild or even be mediocre for 40 plus years they promised us that if Jerry saved a bunch of money during the rebuild, which he absolutely did, that they would strike when the iron was hot. Now, I'm nervous what that exactly means, but as negative as I can be sometimes about Mariners' ownership, I think that they might realize this, this, this is the time to strike. And a huge reason is, Eric, is that the consumer has proven, the Mariners consumer has proven that they will spend their hard-earned money on the cable, on the tickets, on the parking, on the merchandise, on the food, the beer, the soda, all that kind of stuff. If you even have a somewhat winning team, invest a little bit more into this team, Mr. Stanton, and I guarantee you the fans will be happier and they will line their pockets with silver. Yep, they're going to have to invest more. And, you know, we can't just be happy filling holes with average players on the on the regular, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, there's you don't know. There's folks that just are totally down on the whole deal. I uh, think ownership is cheap and they're not going to spend. Um, there's folks that just think you can grow your way into this, and, and I'm sure that is a possibility. And I have some really good friends who think that way, um, and they want to bring up their young the young guys and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, I see it as, you know, we want to win a World Series and we're watching other teams get incredibly better than the Mariners in a heartbeat. And they're doing it by spending money. They're building, they're doing the right things, but they're spending money too, you know. Um, so I do hope to see that uh, some spending goes on in the offseason. Uh, and we know the usual suspects, and I want to talk about those usual suspects here in a bit. But uh, uh, tell me about Paul Seawald uh, speaking out against M's ownership and management. Well, this one came as a surprise to me when I first heard about it, Eric. But at second glance, of course, because he's not even an employee of the Mariners anymore. How much easier is it, both of you guys, to speak out against a former boss? 
<laughs> I mean, we could all lay the dirt on former employers when we don't have to worry about getting fired if they heard what we were saying about them. And that's kind of what Paul Seawall did. There was a recent national baseball podcast where Paul was the interviewee, and he basically voiced the same sentiment as Cal Raleigh and J.P. Crawford had echoed afterwards, you know, basically just saying that the Mariners aren't serious about putting their chips on the table to be a true World Series contender. I mean, you guys know how much I respect the Rays. You know how much I like the Orioles. But those sort of runs are a couple years, and then you're terrible for many years, and then you do it again unless you pay the money to retain and obtain premier-level type of players. And basically, Seawald was saying that, you know, the same thing that Cal said, that the Mariners aren't willing to do exactly what it takes to be a champion-level team. I do have so much respect for Seawald in that he very eloquently stated that the the players, if they had performed the way they should have, that Paul never would have been traded. We all know the Mariners were at 500 all the way through July and into the beginning parts of August before they made that insane run in the awesome August. And so baseball ops felt like they had to make a move. It might be drastic. It might be hated. But I like that he is self-aware enough to know that the players kind of put the trade on management and baseball ops. Nonetheless, I don't I don't even know how to think, Eric, but I've never heard this sort of player resentment towards management and ownership, maybe in my life in Seattle pro sports. Wow. Yeah. There's some cracks there that... Uh... You know, the Mariners do a great job of trying to patch up. And, uh, um, well, you know, I, I'm sure they these players seem to see the same frustration we do. We don't know what happened last off season, And that's why the, I mean, it's just implausible to think, why didn't they sign a couple of these free agents or at least one, at least one offensive upgrade? Why didn't they sign that person last year? Uh, is that because they missed the boat? Is it because they wouldn't open their wallets? Or there's only... Why? Why not? Um, and then why did you sign the guys that you did? Why did you sign these guys really late? And, uh, you know, I mean, these are not... I'd never heard these guys, uh, Listella and Pollock and... I, I know other people have heard of them, but they weren't uh, any great players. Um, I hope to see this offseason, which kicks off um, the day after the World Series. And my understanding is it um, my understanding is it really kicks off about four or five days after that when free agents can actually negotiate. Uh, whether anybody goes out right away or not, I don't know. How do you think the market's going to work, Tyler? Well, like every free agent market, it's going to be expensive, and there might be a great deal of inflation involved. That's why you always have to be very careful, because you could be paying for a Lexus, and you might be getting a Kia, that sort of deal. What makes me really curious, nervous, and optimistic, as weird as that sounds, all at the same time, Eric, is that we've had several Mariners players voice their frustration publicly about the amount of money and willingness to do what it takes to win on the Mariners' ownership and management. The frustration is public and evident. Is it helping or hurting? I... I'm not sure where I fall on that. On the surface, I think it really hurts because these free agents are going to hear guys they respect 
Cal, Seawald, J.P. Crawford, all very respected players across the league. And if they're saying they don't know about this this organization, then why is someone going to sign here when they can be a multimillionaire in a different, sunnier state? Also, I fear, Eric, that ownership maybe their ultimate goal is just to be a fringe playoff team yearly. It keeps the stadiums full. The interest level among the fan base, the city, the region, the state, the greater Northwest as a whole, the interest is high. And so they don't need a top 10 payroll necessarily. Are my fears me being paranoid or is there any validity? What do you think on all these, all of my conspiracies, Eric? Yeah. So, you know, we all think differently about how that, how to answer that question. You know, to me, first thing that comes to my mind is just, I don't care. I, you know, I just, I'm, I, what they're saying is true. If it's unusual, okay. But other people really see it as clues and cracks and, and, and bigger things than I do. Um, free agents, you know, to get them to come here. Um, you're going to have to pay them well and pick the right ones. And maybe that's what this is all about. There's only one Otani, and maybe they're totally in on that. That's my comp- conspiracy theory. Uh, and I wish they, <laughs> and I wish they trade for one year of Soto too. And uh, if you can sign Otani and have Soto for a year, take a run at it, Seattle Mariners. We do not want to sit here and not be the ones who's called the only team with never been to the World Series and all this other stuff. Indy. What do you say? I think we need Otani and one other bat, and I think we're World Series bound. Well, guys, all I know is I've laid out a bunch of negativity, but I think we do always need to consider both sides of the fence. When it comes to on-the-field play, I'm very positive because I feel like just in my heart, my team's going to find a way to win. That's how I feel. Now, ownership and management is a different deal because they might have other ideas in mind. But all I know is when push comes to shove, there's a fictional wide receiver, Rod Tidwell, who once said, show me the money. And if we show some of these guys the money, they'll come and play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll come here. I think it might be easier just trade for them. Um, might be cheaper too, you know. Trade for them, get them here, see if they're successful, and uh, then sign them. Something like that. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Um, who are we going to go with? We're going to go with guys who played on the West Coast like Otani uh, and Soto. Uh, I wouldn't trust any of these East Coast hitters uh, out here on a regular basis. I, it seems to eat them alive. So we need guys with some real power on this team. Uh, it means we're going to have some strikeouts too, but uh, we need some real sluggers because we know that the t- the T-Mobile's only fifteen or 50% average for home runs. But it's last place for triples. It's in the last five. Check my math. I could be wrong. But it's very terrible for doubles also. And even singles, it's it's like 9% harder to get a hit in that park besides a home run than the mean, than the normal, the average of all the other clubs combined. So... Um, that's a hard selling point. You need guys with power and that can hit up scald, scald baseballs. That's the kind of hitters you need. They're going to strike out some. Um, but uh, we need that, you know, 
all I'm saying is Otani and Soto, and we should be able to move forward here, Tyler. If we got those two guys, Eric, I expect to make at least an ALCS run, if not a World Series run. And what's crazy to me is, although I think so many guys are unattainable if you're the Seattle Mariners, those two guys actually make sense. And we've talked about Otani at nauseum, but we should. This guy is that much of a unicorn. I mean, I'm looking at him right now, and I swear, I nerd over this every single time. But do you guys realize in 2023, Otani had a 184 OPS+. plus. I want to say a huge shout-out to our friend Cam, who does an amazing job on navigating the numbers. And I used to always read OPS, but as he explained, OPS Plus takes that just a step further because it tries to work in the quality of the pitcher, the dimensions of the ballpark, those sort of things that didn't used to be written into stats before, so... Thank you, Cam. I'm going to start talking about OPS plus a bunch more. But at 184, 100 is league average. And then we're talking about 40, 40, or 44 homers, 304 average. And they're not saying he's going to pitch till 2025. I've heard this idea floated around, Eric. And what if we had Otani be the best DH in the league and the best closer? You know, um, the only the only problems could be probably in the ninth inning or something when he needs to be warming up um, mm. and coming to bat is what I've read. Good point. Is is some okay, of the issues there? I'm not an expert on National League theories and thoughts before they didn't have uh, the designated hitter. But uh, I do understand that it may cause some some problems. Now, that doesn't mean it's unsurmountable if that's where he belongs. Um, me knowing that for pitchers, but me knowing Otani, he probably wants to start again um, if he can. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a good answer for you on that, bud. Okay, well, you know, I've been a little bit of a Debbie Downer on Otani, and just because it's my lack of faith in the Mariners' ownership to pony up what it would take, MLB.com lists Mariners as one of the top four potential fits for Otani. Now, they say, and I, I think we would all believe it, that his monetary value has gone down because at best he won't pitch until 2025. But they're just saying, like, let's say Aaron Judge, last offseason he got nine years, $360 million, which is, is, is exactly $40 million per year. There's no reason that you couldn't get Otani for 10 for 400 or 10 for 500 somewhere in that range. I think that might be more doable, Eric, uh, by Mariners' ownership compared to I was thinking when he was still maybe the ace pitcher as well that we might be looking at six or $700 million. It, it still might be that way with fools like Cohen in the in the game um and you know you got Preller sitting over there in San Diego willing to spend whatever um you know that you're really at a disadvantage folks if you're if you're playing against characters like that once they get their feet under them and figure nobody that rich likes to lose money so once they get their feet under them and figure out what it takes um they're not afraid to go sign these guys and I mean you're going to have to have some real luck to get past them. You know, look at the Diamondbacks. They kind of rolled through the playoffs. Now they're up against the Phillies, and it's like their offense disappeared and and the runs they're giving up has gone the wrong way. So sooner or later in the playoffs, you're going to come up against the big boys, the big boys. We need to be a part of that. We've already got uh, a great pitching staff. We've got uh, – 
uh, Julio Rodriguez. We have uh, Jerry Kelnick, bless his soul, should be, could be, would be. Um, maybe he could go for Soto for one year. Um, not straight up or anything, but if we had a Soto type player and a signed Otani, you know, that would give us a shot and then go from there. I don't know. I like your thinking and I love Juan Soto too. Oh my goodness gracious. What is he, 24 or so? And he has the eye, the plate discipline of what? Someone probably 10 years older than him. The one thing that makes me nervous about Soto is even if the New York Yankees or the LA Dodgers traded for him, he is probably a rental just because if you get teams bidding on him on the open market the next following off season oh my goodness gracious but how it would be worth it eric and i think it would also help long term to show that the mariners are serious about winning like trading for a premium rental like a juan soto i think that even means more to me than a free agent signing just in terms of the perception of the players because they're looking at like okay the mariners know he's a rental and who knows maybe we do resign him but you got to have that mindset on the trade you, you know so like there's serious business so many people want to think about baseball and they want to think well, what are they going to do three months from now and what are they going to do when this happens and what are they going to do and i'm not trying to put those people down i'm just trying to tell you how i look at it i look at it as you know baseball personnel decisions are made when they have to be because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow uh your first baseman might be sick or he might be injured and you've got to make changes you've got to be ready and prepared to do things you just sent george down but actually george i need you back a more a better example would be like cal cal got sent down last year uh in the middle of the season for for playing poorly uh defense and offense and murphy got hurt within like a week and, and Cal was yanked right back up. And from there, he got his foothold. He got his chance to play and had figured it out from that point. You've got to make strong moves, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to compete with these teams, you're not going to, you're not going to beat these teams without some talent. And doggone it, throw your chips in for a year. See what happens. It all depends on whether... Otani can be signed, I guess, but I don't care. Throw your chips in and get this guy and uh, don't do a totally stupid deal, but if you can do it, do it. If you can't, uh, talk to St. Louis, but you need guys that can scald the ball um, and don't play horrible defense and, and you know, um, we, need, we need real players. I think that Seattle's patience is wearing thin as far as just taking the Brewers you know yeah we win our division and we lose out on the first or series or two every year um, that's not gonna fly forever around here we're too smart for that what else do we know about free agent talk here um, it's still premature Tyler oh for sure the one thing I want to add is that the time actually is now to me and the Mariners organization may look at it differently, but think about how many young ball players we have, Eric, that are overperforming their rookie minimum contracts. And so many of these guys are honestly, frankly, probably going to be on other teams in four to six years. And when you have George Kirby and Logan Gilbert and Cal Raleigh on rookie contracts. Oh my goodness, you want to talk about some of the best economic bargains in sports? It's those guys right there, and they're going to get really expensive really fast. So the time to spend on free agents or trades is now. And then maybe you stop the trades and the free agents if you want to retain some of these star young players. But we're getting a bargain for these guys. And 
I'll compare it to football. When the Seahawks had our rookie contract, Russell Wilson, it was the best bargain in all of sports. The guy was playing it at a all-star type of level, and they were able to spend money and resources everywhere else. Then all of a sudden, this young guy becomes very expensive, and you can't afford maybe a Cal or a Logan. So my two cents on striking while the iron's hot. I want to go to Juan Soto really quick, Eric, and then I'll let you roll. But you put me on the Juan Soto train way back when we first started doing this together. Career. The dude's only 24, but career OPS of 157 and a career strikeout-to-walk ratio of 0.9. If, if it took a Miller and a Kellenic to get Soto, I would do it in one second. Yeah, I mean, I would too. And it's just time to throw an extra chip into the plate and say, okay, this is our team. We're going to add one star through a trade and one star through a free agent signing, and we're going to go for this. And if it doesn't happen with Juan Soto and he wants to walk out the door, then fine. It's not the end of the world. These guys come and go. I mean... I love the players too, but, uh, you know, when they don't perform, I'm ready for them to go. Um, and it just, you, the sport just changes. Getting fired is like, you know, sorry, bud, that's baseball. Um, getting traded is like, sorry, bud, that's baseball. Especially if you're just a, a marginal player, you know, you don't, you don't call the shots. You just live with it because where else are you going to make $800,000 a year, right, Tyler? Yep, exactly. We're playing a kid's game. <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, so I, I do hope we get Soto. Uh, Indy, anything else we wanted to add about baseball? And I'll, I'll ask you too, Tyler. I want to make sure we take care of all our baseball stuff. Oh, I seen that uh, Ty France... Um, was a father is that right did anybody see that or going to be a father I, I i think i did see that his baby was born on social media excellent congratulations to him um yes sir it's exciting stuff yes it is absolutely um and uh your ops still wasn't good enough though bro <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes when you're hot, you're hot is what it could, what it does. <laughs> when you're not, you're not. Hey, let's, uh, and uh, so we just got to wait, ladies and gentlemen. You just got to wait. We talked about uh, the Phillies are on top of the Diamondbacks. They look like they're going to win that series to me. Uh, Houston is that brawl in Texas. Uh, did we get a final score on that? Can you tell me? Still three to one in the middle of the sixth for Texas. Three to one. So I feel like Houston's played a little better baseball. I feel like uh, Houston, like the Phillies, is the one that stands up and says, well, you still got to beat the champ. And uh, so, you know, the champ learns things. That particular champ, in my personal opinion, is kind of a dirty team. Um, you know, certainly willing to take any avenue to uh to advance themselves in any way uh you could expect houston to take that um these are the big bullies so that's what's happening in the al and the uh, nl we'll know by next week uh what world series starts any idea fellas probably midweek i would guess yeah yeah um we'll we'll keep you you know you guys will figure it out and the World Series coming up, I predict Astros, and I predict Phillies. I don't think that's going off on a limb. How about you, Indy? Yeah, I I think it's for sure going to be the Phillies. Um, what'd you say the score of the Astros and Rangers game is right now? Three to one. Astros, Texas, or Rangers? Oh, I hope Texas wins. I hope it's Phillies in Texas, but. I have a feeling Houston's going to pull through somehow. The mm. baseball gods are on their side, seems like. 
What do you say, Tyler? Personally, I want Philly partly because, or mainly because I love Bryce Harper and I love Kyle Schwarber. Now, I'm not going to say he's the best major league player ever, guys, but if there was going to be a slow-pitch softball draft of major leaguers, wouldn't Kyle Schorber be your first pick? That old boy, he could smack a baseball, I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, and, you know, the bat plays, right? We always say that on this show. The bat plays, the bat pays. As soon as you quit batting, you're out of here. Uh, there's some players that are just like that. Yeah, I mean, who do you have in the World Series then, guys? I'm going to say American League because I don't know. Something's wrong with me. Tyler, what do you say? I think it's going to be a repeat of last year, Houston, Philly, and it kills me to say this. I think Houston's going to do it again. Unfortunately, I agree. I agree. I want I, I want the NL to pull through just because if, if it's Houston. If the Texas – if the Rangers make it, I'm cool with them winning. But I just do not want to see the Astros hoist that trophy again. And I don't want to see uh, Mattress Max, Mac win any more bets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got their own way of doing things down there in Texas. Um, uh, so we we know that. And <sighs> um, I want to interject really quick, guys. I have a quick question for both of you that just came to my head. Do you think Texas and Houston being in our own division would help and maybe put peer pressure on the Mariners' ownership to spend more this offseason because you're basically trying to keep up with the Joneses. If we are in the AL Central, bah, our payroll is fine, but we're not in that division. We are in an extremely tough division. Yeah, uh, you know, that's the same thought in my head is, is, you know, it might be nice to see the Rangers take, take it all and then – management and ownership this year can kind of have their nose rubbed in it a little bit you know are you going to wait forever to make a move till these players that uh, Tyler's talking about gets to their expensive years and they have to move on and, and reteach another group to do it you know I mean so but they know what to do I'm positive of it um, or at least We'll see if they do what they need to do. We need ownership in this town that really wants to win um, and, and really wants to stand up and say, hey, Seattle is not a poor city. It's a wealthy city, and there's no reason that we can't compete with the likes of San Diego and we can't compete with the likes of, you know, the Angels and the Rangers, and there's no reason why, you know. So ownership, get it together. There's money to be made. Go get Otani, make the trade, get the Soto in here, or at least with Cardinals, somebody big. Uh, Gorman, I want two of them. Um, make the trade. We see that a balanced team is more important than a pitching-heavy team or a hitting-heavy team uh, because the Cardinals and the Mariners both sat home for the postseason. So, as, as did the uh, San Diego. So, there we are, folks. I'm looking forward to see what happens. Boy, I mean, it's going to really should start having some news. I know it's going to be a long, cold off season, but uh, it might start out with a bang. Well, you can tell by my voice that I am so excited about this off season, Eric. And... I, I, I texted this to Indy. There's a good chance I might get my heart broken, but this team is close. If we just make a couple of key, we've talked about this before, not Walmart brand, not great value. I want some premium Grey Goose or Patron or some top-of-the-shelf type of stuff, and we could really, really make a run at this thing. Yeah, when you see other teams adding stars and, you know, oh, well, the Mets and San Diego and, um, okay, well, look at the Phillies. They spent a ton of money. 
and they've got some good players. You know, it worked out. Who's the other teams out there? Texas. Texas has spent a ton of money, and it hadn't worked for them for pitching, but they've spent so much money that they are still in it against these these other teams. So there are two examples of where spending smart was signing Julio smart. Yes, signing smart would signing Soto somehow if the contract wasn't just absolutely ridiculous makes sense. Yes. Uh, can Kellenic pull his head out of his ass? Let's hope. So that's Seattle Mariners baseball right now. It's off season. I, I want to talk about, and you could shut us off now if, if you're um, not this kind of person, but I want to talk about football. It's football season. The most popular sport in Pacific Northwest has always been football, I would think. Um, unless we're talking about 1909 or something. So um, football, 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 Seattle Seahawks, Indy, I need to know what's going on. Well, we uh, we beat the Cardinals today. It was not pretty offensively, but a win's a win, right? What do you think, Tyler? Oh, I'm thoroughly impressed by the defense right now. The running game's been pretty solid. The passing game's been pretty solid. The red zone interceptions have to stop. I know a lot of fans are frustrated because Arizona's record is terrible, but they have scared every single team they've played this year, so it wasn't a surprise to me that they at least made it competitive. Absolutely. Uh, how do you feel about the receiver core a receiving core with with dk injured today how do you think they did they were really really good it's a missing factor and some of it you don't get to see when you're watching tv because dk metcalf is the type of receiver that can go deep make the huge play so he gets a lot of safety help every game which opens up underneath routes in the running game bobo was fantastic he is literally becoming a fan favorite right now jackson smith and jigba had a really good game my personal nickname for tyler lockett is mr reliable and he was that and above all on offense because i'm talking about offense now because i could talk about this defense right now for years the way they're playing but huge credit to the offensive line we're still missing two or three starters for sure but what they've done in totality has been nothing short of excellent i agree i agree it's uh it's always hard when you come into a season with a plan with, with these five guys in the trenches and injuries shakes it up to the point where you have 11 different uh you know line offensive line rotations in how many games six you know, it's tough to be to be consistent up the, up front with that much movement. Well, I think that um, baseball and football don't really equal together very often, but I think you could look at an offensive line like a starting pitching staff. Uh, I do see some resemblance there. You go into it hoping that, you, you know, these five guys are going to be with you, but you're really crossing your fingers the whole time because you know that's probably not true. And you might need to replace two or three of them down the road for at least some time. Uh, it, it's injury really plays a role in, in both those, uh, that front line and starting pitching. Absolutely. I agree. And sometimes that can make or break your season. Those guys getting injured. Yeah. Yeah. So injury is part of the game. We know that, um, um, Indy, tell me about, um, so we like the defense and was there anything that bothered you about the game and and tell us about how the rest of the nfl is done in relationship with uh with the seahawks today you, you mentioned if there's anything i didn't like about the game today uh geno smith had two really really poor decisions uh, one was a dropped interception and one was an interception but it's just those are throws you can't make. You you can't you cannot do that 
especially when your offense is clicking and driving down the field. Those are just those are things you just cannot do. And uh, in the past two games, he's thrown three interceptions and he's lost a fumble. So just the turnover bug has really hit him in particular, and I, I hope that uh, that can be corrected going forward. It's the turnovers. Yeah, he plays a he plays a working man's I I don't let me re redact that that I didn't mean that. He you know God bless him. He gets a lot of wins, but boy that his style is just a grind. Um you know, you it's and I, I don't I mean last year wasn't he dropping dimes all the time, T Tyler? He was, and if you watch enough, he is dropping dimes all over the place. To me, the difference is just the decision-making. You know, he, he's forcing it too much. And for the first half, the first 10 games or so last year, he was great, legitimately great. And then from about week 10 until this point this year, he's been solid. And the difference is, is... When he first was the starter, he was so willing to just take the easy pass, take the easy check down. And guess what? The athletes in the NFL are so amazing that one juke or one stiff arm and your three-yard pass ends up being an 11-yard gain. And so I hope he just gets back to that. Taking a sack isn't the end of the world. Throwing the ball away can be a good play. These red zone interceptions have to stop immediately. Red zone interceptions are like walking the bases loaded and, the, and then walking in the runner. You have to make the other team earn it. And when you just give them the ball or give them the base, then they're not they're not even having to do their their work and their part of the job. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Gino is a fine quarterback to have with you if you if you don't have anybody better. Um, you know, I'd like to see him get hot again and get cocky again. And and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I just mean some swag in his step. Um, you know, so I hope to see that soon. Uh, Nick Juba, uh, I thought, you know, what he get a, a touchdown today? Isn't that right, Indy? Four catches, 63 yards, and a tutty. The first of his career. Hopefully we see a lot more of those. Yeah, I think he'll be taking, and I'm sure you agree with me, Tyler, um, but I think he'll be taking the next Tyler Lockett space uh, with the Seahawks, hopefully, for a long time. What do you see? Oh, absolutely. You, you are so spot on with that, especially with Tyler's age and a smaller player. Smith and Jigba, they're finally using him correctly, too. The guy is a route runner. He's a pure wide receiver. They kept using him on short screens, and those are more for, like, just pure athletes, I would say. Smith and Jigma is a technician, and so you want him out there running the routes on the wide receiver, or, I mean, on the cornerbacks as the receiver. I just want to say I haven't seen the Seahawks defense play with this sort of ferocity in almost a decade. It is so fun to watch. The guys are flying. They're fast. They're tackling. They're breaking up passes. They had one major gaffe on the read option where the quarterback ran it around the edge for about a 25 or 30-yard touchdown. But Indy, this defense is just plain fun to watch right now. Who would have thought the guy that gets all the hate turns out to be the fire that we needed? Jamal Adams. He he brings that energy. Him and, and Witherspoon are like twins when it comes to that just just ferociousness and just viral energy they bring to that locker room, to that team. You just see everybody flying around. Julian Love flying around. Quandre Diggs coming in like a missile. Jordan Brooks was everywhere today, everywhere. And uh, yeah, like you said, that that run by Dobbs, I really think uh, if Tariq Woolen wraps him up instead of just 
lunging into him, that's only an eight-yard gain, 10-yard gain instead of a 25-yard touchdown. Just one step, one one wrap up away from it being a a, a twenty to six instead of twenty to ten game, you know. Tell me, um, wasn't Seattle terrible last year with the run defense? Isn't that right? Historically bad. And how are they performing this year? And this is for either of you. How is that defense performing with run defense this year? Is it totally different? One thousand percent. It's night and day different. And uh I think Jaron Reed, Bobby Wagner, and Draymond Jones are huge factors in that. Just about anybody with the last name on the defense. Well that's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so that's great. And uh, you know, the offense I I love that catch by Bobo I mean that guy's a big guy and that was a very athletic catch you know that's the kind of guy who's normally catching a screen pass there um mm-hmm. you know and uh so we've got a lot to look forward to I mean is it is it fair to ask what's the future for the quarterback for this team oh it's definitely fair to ask Tyler oh well this the Seahawks aren't going to say it publicly because they want to protect their players and they don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but they're obviously looking at other options. There's no question. Everybody knows I'm a huge Geno fan, but that's like within realistic expectations. I expect him to be like the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. And that's kind of what he is uh, this year. Last year, Like I said, in the first week of the season, first 10 weeks in that span, he was awesome. But he is who he is. He's pretty good. You want to improve at that position. But I I truly believe if the coaches can get him to just calm down, take what the defense gives you, punting's not the worst thing ever, that he can actually by playing that way of football will be way more productive and way more exciting in the long term. He gives the Seahawks a chance to win right right now, and he's with the team that, you know, a, a quarterback, So, and I'm sure, Indy, you'll agree with me, a quarterback is so important that even an average one is something you hold on to, right? Oh, absolutely. But what happens in a couple of years? Um, I, I really think either this organization believes in Drew Locke as a potential for the future, or they are looking at the next two drafts as and rubbing their hands together because there's a lot of young talent coming out that they could draft and develop. Okay, that's great news. A lot of a lot of quarterbacks coming out, huh? Oh yeah. Because we're not going to have any high picks. This team, ne- this Seahawks never have. Well, you know, when you trade Russell Wilson. <laughs> so, God. <laughs> when you rob another team, you mean. Yeah, how, do, how did he, how'd that go for them today? Any ideas, folks? I believe that they they won. Yeah, they beat the Packers today, 1917. Yeah, let's just get rid of Aaron Rodgers. He sucks, huh? <laughs> No, but I wanted to say this about Geno Smith really quick, especially because this is a Mariners podcast, guys. Geno Smith reminds me of Marco Gonzalez with what you two were talking about, and I was just listening. He can have some clunkers, but the bottom line is more times than not, he's going to give your team a chance to win. I don't think that he's John Elway. I don't think that he's Patrick Mahomes, but I do think that he can keep you in the ball game and now and then have an outstanding game. And don't get me wrong, he is good for a couple clunkers also. Can he win a Super Bowl? Oh boy, Eric, I'm gonna. I'll be honest. I'll say no. Yeah. So. 
It's just too hard. Like, we could make an imaginary team where Geno could easily win the Super Bowl, but this is pro sports where every other team is funded by a billionaire to try to win ball games. It's not that easy, and your opponents aren't that stupid. Well, you got a, a, I mean, one in 30, you've got 30 opponents that you're one of. I mean, how, why does anybody even cross their mind that it's easy to win a championship in any sport? Uh, I mean, even when you break it down to the AL, you're, you, you know, yeah, so <laughs> anyhow, the I'm Brady off topic. Yeah, yeah, I'm off topic here. Fan is short for fanatic. Remember, fan is short for fanatic. Oh, and to bring it back a little bit to what you said earlier, Eric, we are we we were the third worst run defense last year. We are the third best run defense this year. Oh my gosh! Night and day. Yeah, I mean these are the things you don't you don't see often. It's not unheard of, uh, but uh, it's stuff you don't see often. Um, well, excellent job on the defense. It's got to be a talent. You know, talent's everything, right? The guy who can do whatever he needs to do gets away with stuff, and the guy who can't do what he needs to do gets fired, and that's how it is in sports. One thing I'd add to the defense is the defensive scheme is way more aggressive and downhill than we've seen in the past. And part of that might be the cornerbacks they have out there. If you don't trust your cornerbacks to be able to stick a guy by themselves, you can't be blitzing your linebackers and nickels and safeties a bunch. You have to play safe, soft coverage. I think that maybe having Witherspoon and Woolen might have unlocked an aggressive nature that the, the Seahawks weren't able to run before on D. Yeah, that's that's all excellent inf information. Things change fast in the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. And you're right, uh, Tyler, where, you know, in baseball, there's a manager and he kind of takes care of things and then a coach under that will take care of things. But in football, of course, and you guys are going to rouse me out of here, but of course, coaching means everything in football. The only thing that means less than coaching is talent um so you i mean this witherspoon has a chance to be a very good talent correct oh yeah i mean he had an interception and a sack called back today because of penalties like the kid is everywhere you know and we've got the the jigba kid also that uh you know just a promising promising future and and we can take a look at his how he's no drama, you know, is not in the middle of this, that, or the other, or whatever. You know, we don't hear any drama. I don't a drama about the guy. Um, you know, that's a blessing to have that too. Uh, good things on the way, I suppose. Yep. Any anything else to add on Seahawks talk here? Well, just one more thing on. I just have one major thing I want to add. One major thing. Two rookie starting offensive linemen today. And if you didn't know that the center and the guard were rookies, you never would have known it. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, you know, it just stinks. And the the offensive line is really tough to cover when your top guys go down. Uh, and then your next guy goes down and you're like looking at the third stringer, you know, um, and those are the guys that play all year sometimes. So, um, it's made me think of Remember the Giants. Why is that? That movie when he's mm. looking at his when he's got his team of misfits. That's how it feels when they're looking at the third string offensive lineman. They're just like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> go out there, I guess. Little Giants were <laughs> oh, yeah, the Little Giants. That's what it was. Little Giants. Yeah, Little Giants. <laughs> yeah, bro, that's how that's how it feels. He was looking at him like, oh god. <laughs> But, and we had a uh, the great white shark, Jake Bobo out there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, I was I'm trying to get that catching on the great white. You know, there's some guys out there with a real good set of locks, just a flowing out there, and uh, we we want to <laughs> hear it for those guys too. So, um, you know, 
Play that funky music, son. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, so, what a blessing. We've got a win today. And uh, who will we play next week, guys? The Cleveland Browns. Hopefully our offensive line is a little more healthy. Because <laughs> their defensive yeah, they'll be, they'll line have a is test. nasty. So, are we at Cleveland then? Here. Uh, Seattle. Wow. Yep. Okay. Seattle. Okay. Okay. What do we know about those guys, Those the Browns? Number one defense in the league. Is that right? Well, they did. They had 38 points dropped on them by Gardner Minshew and the Colts today. So we'll see how they where they fall after this week. But up until this week, number one defense. I know Camden will be happy about that. Uh, what else do we know about them, Tyler? Well, on a personal level, my wife's family will be rooting against me because they're a bunch of Ohio folks who love the Browns and so I'll be on an island with the family next Sunday but on a serious note Miles Garrett is one of the best defensive linemen if not the best defensive linemen of this exact generation Eric I saw a stat on TV today that the Browns defensive end has more sacks before the age of 28 than Reggie White Bruce Smith, Lawrence Taylor, it's unbelievable. Those are some pretty big names. Yeah. He, yeah, basically the best ever. Yep. He had two sacks, two forced fumbles, and a block field goal today. Son. Hey, when you're hot, you're hot, you know. <laughs> when God <laughs> gives you Yeah, so God gives it to some people. Um let's see. Um who is quarterbacking those guys these days? Either of you. Deshaun Watson is confirmed starting next week, but PJ Walker, a USFL or something like that. He I think he was playing in one of those other leagues last year or two years ago. He started for them or last week and won and played a good chunk of today's game and they won. So good for him. One of those two guys. So tell me guys, these are this is a team to be not feared, but this is a team to be reckoned with. Uh, what do you see uh, next happening next week, uh, Tyler? I would thoroughly expect a low-scoring game. I would, I would be shocked if it was a medium or high-scoring game. And an editorial, quick editorial by me. I'm really glad the Seahawks didn't trade for Deshaun Watson. You guys can look it up on the internet. This guy's probably a terrible person. <laughs> and he hasn't been playing that well. So even on a foot from the football side of things, I'm glad we did not trade for this guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, and I just want to remind everybody we, we, and this no shame or anything about that. I just want to reach out to anybody who's listening to this, that these are young men and uh, some of some young men get in trouble um, and some people's forgiveness is shorter than others. Um, you know, sometimes you become a star and you think that, uh, uh, you know, you don't stink and uh, you just can do whatever you want and then come to find out that's not the case. So we see it all the time with young athletes, don't we? Absolutely. My huge issue, Eric, is... If an accusation like this happens to a famous person once or twice, I could believe it. But when there's 24, 25, 26 accusations, it's really hard to get behind that person. Yeah, I'm not really into the the, the details on him, um, but I, I recall all of this now. You know, um, <clears throat> there's no easy answer for this today. Um, because it's, there's going to be some folks that say, well, does the dude get a chance to play or is, you know, can he go to jail after, or what can he do to repent? And then there's going to be those that say, you know, he's crossed the line and it's, you know, um, you know, things are different than they used to be. I'm not saying they were right or wrong or whatever, but, uh, young men, you got to really walk a straight path these days. You, you can't be 
you know, you got the guys like Wander Franco, and it just seems to never end. So, come on, guys, straighten it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Cleveland, who wins? Seattle or Cleveland? Seahawks. I think the Seahawks, too. I think our offense is better. 13 to 6 or something? Yeah, something like that. 17 13, maybe. I think you definitely could bet on the under on this game. I think they have it at 40 and a half. Oh, wow. I was going to say it's going to be the exact exact same scores today, 2010 Seahawks. I was thinking more exact same of the Cincinnati game, just us above. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's great. Have I, you know, have I left anybody out or any thoughts on, on Seattle Seahawks football? No, I think we've talked plenty. And, you know, you and me, Eric, we come on here to grind on the Mariners. So, And don't get me wrong, the Seahawks are arguably my favorite team. But we all know I'm just Seattle sports down the line. So let's talk about Husky football here. If I remember correctly, um, they're like, fourth fifth sixth in that range maybe seventh uh in the country which is fantastic up here in our little outpost it makes you proud um there's seven and oh maybe going eight and oh if if i'm correct here and uh they beat arizona by a low score is that right tyler yeah i believe they didn't even score an offensive touchdown and Arizona State, right in your backyard, Tempe, Arizona. What a wonderful place. Valley of the Sun. Don't go there when it's still 100 degrees. But they they came out swinging. It's exactly what you want out of college football. I know Husky fans were so frustrated by that performance. I knew it was coming. The emotion, the intensity the celebration, the anticipation of that game against Oregon last week, no matter what the coaches say or the players say to each other, it's not the same game. And you can try to convince yourselves otherwise, but we're still all human. It's just a good thing that they pulled it off and weren't at the top of Sports Center for the major upset of the week. Yeah, that's great. Um so Huskies, go Huskies. I'm sure there's uh, folks from uh, around other areas that uh, listen to this uh, podcast, and we love you. Um, but uh, if you, you know, go root for your own team. I'm, I'm rooting for the Huskies because <clears throat> I'm a Seattle guy. Hey, um, anything else you guys want to touch on today before we, we uh, sign off? I just want to say a quick thank you to Cam and my brother-in-law and sister for hooking us up with the beat to go along with this segment for everyone listening if you want a little more details information and i have gained considerable knowledge navigating the numbers with cam he is doing an incredible job of making the complex analytics sound simple to all of us yeah thank you camden um Looking forward to getting some more of those aired. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thank you so much. I've had a wonderful Sunday uh, evening with you two. And uh, go Seahawks. Go Huskies. And, uh, you know, we'll, let's see what happens this uh, baseball offseason. Have a great day. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.